figured I would just sit down and just, you know, fuck it. Let's let's do a podcast. Hello? Really? We should do a podcast. Hello? Hey, this would be a great podcast. Let's fun. Let's do it. Cliffy, it's Uncle Cliff, Cliff. Cliffy? Hello, Cliffy? It's podcast time. Gimme, gimme, gimme a man after midnight. And now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Are you listening? This is episode one. Clippy, it's Grandma Clip Clip. No way. I think it's gonna be terrible. Licky boom boom down. Clip, this is your uncle Clip Clip. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast. Terrible. The one and the only. The Jenny Boy. Positivity is for fucking assholes. My little baby boy. Did you write La Poopy? Baby Butter Boy. On one of the sausage sandwiches. Womack style. Hey, Leo. Lindy. All right. This sandwich says Let's do a little, uh, little early morning podcast here. It's, uh, it's not even 9 o'clock on a Sunday. Oh, my God. I didn't even know they had... I didn't, know, I didn't even know there was an 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I can't believe it. Shiri Spears on the uh, on the weekend uh, news update here. That's it's very rare. Just letting you know that's very rare. Oh man, what to talk about? This is, uh, I I kind of want to talk about wrestling, but I I don't know. I, I will I will say. WWE's the back. Everybody's back. AEW and WWE. They're back to live audiences. That makes me so happy. Everybody's happy in that uh, in that regard. <laughs> but then in other regards, you realize that WWE. This is the last year and a half. It's like, oh man. So they so they they set up this thing called the the Thunderdome. The first half of the pandemic, the first few months, WWE, just like you know any other wrestling companies that kept going, they just they just taped their show in front of absolutely nobody, just an empty arena, same same place every week, so that they could quarantine and keep everyone safe and all that good stuff. And then it was like this is unbearable to watch, just silence and no, just empty chairs, and so they started piping in crowd sounds and that was like okay that makes it a little a little better but it's still hard to believe because there's nobody in these seats and then they 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 moved to this thing called the thunderdome which was i think it started in orlando uh what is the what's the orlando it's not td yeah maybe it is it's not td garden that's boston like the td arena whatever the place is called in orlando anyway who cares they uh, and then they went and then they put it in the stadium, the baseball stadium in Tampa and various other places. Uh, and it was you know just hundreds of LED screens where you could sign up to be part of the Thunderdome, and so it's just a bunch of sc- just hundreds of screens with people sitting in their living room at home, and so you can so it's like okay, we can't have people in the in the crowd, but this is a way to. Have, kind of have people in the arena so they pump in the fake crowd noise very canned very but it's better than silence while these wrestling matches are taking place and okay there's no actual people in the arena but it's better than nobody because you're seeing actual people even though they're on video screens that's fine so it's a neat concept and at first it's like okay well this is certainly better than empty arenas with no sounds 
And then after a while, it's like, oh, I hate this Thunderdome. I just want, I want it, I want to see live people. But obviously, that couldn't happen. And now it can. And so now people are back, sold out crowds. Is it, uh, is it too soon to do that? Yeah, maybe. But whatever. <laughs> it's, it's happening. Uh, anyway. So WWE returned to live audiences last week. They had their Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And I watched the first match, which was the women's ladder match. And I said, oh, man. Because <laughs> uh, the whole time during the pandemic, you're watching the Thunderdome, and it's Monday Night Raw stinks. SmackDown stinks. And I just, I just stopped watching. I stopped watching all of it because it was so boring. And it was just completely, completely uninteresting. Could not find myself remotely interested in anything that they were doing. And I thought, well, this has probably a lot to do with there's no live crowd. Maybe this stuff's pretty good. Some of the stuff they're doing was good. But there's no live crowd. I can't, I can't watch this. And then they went back to a live crowd. And I said, all right, here we go. This is going to be... Now I, now I'll get back into watching WWE. And I got back into it. And I turned on the pay-per-view. And I watched the first match. And I said... All right, it's not, uh, it wasn't the absence of a crowd. WWE just stinks. And then throughout the course of the night, I, one, I did a complete 180. I took back everything that I, the women's Money in the Bank match was not that great. It just wasn't, it just didn't click. I don't know why. Um, it just wasn't that great. They were kind of going through the motions. It was not that exciting. It wasn't that interesting. Uh, then later on in the night, they had, the men's Money in the Bank match, which was so fun, and you've they've done a million of these for the last twenty, almost thirty years. They've been doing ladder matches, and they've done everything. You think you've you think you've seen it all. You think there's nothing left to see in these kind of matches, and they just kind of go through the same motions, do the same kind of trick moves and high spots, and you know things that you sort of expect. It's almost like a paint by numbers. And last Sunday, they put on this Money in the Bank match. It was most, made up mostly of, I think entirely of, I would say, for lack of a better term, new blood. Which, not really new blood. I mean, people who have been around for a long time, but they're younger guys who still, who have just, uh, you know, they've had some moments in the sun. They've, they've, uh, they've come close to that, that main event spot in the, on the roster. Uh, but it was always a, sh- a limited stay, a short stay, a temporary appearance. And so it was great to see all these guys. And there was stuff, there was moves that happened, the, 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 the high spots and things that happened during this match that I've, that are new. Some new innovative stuff. And it was exciting. And then they had, they had a really good match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. There was a tag team match that I quite enjoyed. <laughs> there was uh, the main event with Edge and Roman Reigns was fantastic. The surprise return of John Cena at the end of the night, who hasn't the last time John Cena was in front of a live crowd was when uh, was right before all the everything locked down when I was there with the kids in Boston, and he got he got his first uh, his first positive ovation his first entirely positive ovation probably in fifteen years because throughout John Cena's career most of his career he's such a kind of uh, neon-colored sort of superhero, you know, Captain America t- 
that that the the older crowd boos the shit out of him and the younger crowd cheers the shit out of him because kids love him because he's like a superhero with his colorful shirts his fruity pebbles colors as the rock said and then the older crowd can't stand him for all the same reasons that the young kids love him because he's just you know he's the american icon uh muscle-bound superhero who can overcome all the obstacles all the odds and win the day and uh, people my age hate that and the younger kids believe in that and now it's gotten to the point where not having him you you don't appreciate what you have until it's not around anymore and so cena has not been around too much the last two or three years limited appearances and then when he finally did can't come back he had one i think one appearance in boston in the live crowd and then a couple weeks later everything was locked down so he had to make the the rest of his appearances in, in an empty basically an empty gym at the wwe performance center in orlando and he had that uh wrestlemania quote-unquote match with bray wyatt which was not at all a match but it was very entertaining and then that was it. And you had to figure during the pandemic, any of these big stars, a John Cena, a Rock, a Brock Lesnar, a Bill Goldberg, all these people, you figure, okay, well, you, you're probably not going to see them until live audiences come back. Because why, if, you're, if you have that ability to kind of call your own shots, you're not, a, you know, you're not one of the up-and-comers uh, coming up on the roster who needs to be there every week, needs the paycheck, needs the exposure, needs all that stuff. So you have to be uh, performing in front of nobody. But somebody like John Cena, who's off doing movies and commercials and does not need wrestling at all anymore as far as a career standpoint and financial and all that stuff, he can call his shots and say, you know what, I'll be back, but not until there are human beings in, in the arena. And now there are human beings in the arena, and John Cena's back. And now it's the summer of Cena, and he's going to be there every week on Raw and SmackDown, which is cool, because, uh, you know, his shtick, it does get quite old, but not having it for a couple of years, and now he's back, and, uh, and that's exciting. It's, uh, you know, breathes a little bit of, of life into things. But at the same time, it's like, how come there's no new John Cena? How come there's no new Hulk Hogan or The Rock or Shawn Michaels or Stone Cold? Or any of these guys who are major names who just show up and people start tuning in. Yeah, because every time, anytime you get the chance to start uh, making a new star in WWE, somebody like John Cena comes back. Or Goldberg, who is now back. Yay. Uh, and I'm sure Brock Lesnar will be back sooner than later. And uh, I'm sure, you know, all these guys, all the, all the old timers who can still go. They're back. Edge is back. Cena's back. Goldberg's back. So like, okay, <laughs> well, they're all going to be in the main event of the big, the big shows. So how does that give uh, the younger guys the opportunity? Or the guys who maybe aren't as young but haven't had the, the chance to really get that exposure. So, but it's uh, whatever. It's fun. He'll be back for, uh, you know, throughout the end of the summer. And then I, I hope they really pull the trigger on these guys like Big E who won the Money in the Bank match, which is super exciting. And I'm sure he'll, he'll be the world champion at some point. And then you've got... But then you've got the veterans that people actually want to see uh, succeed, like a Kofi Kingston. 
and he gets uh, he gets destroyed by Bobby Lashley in what two minutes, three minutes. It's very sad. So there's there's parts of it that it's like ah, same old WWE, and then there's parts like the uh, the Money in the Bank match that's very exciting. Anyway, moving on. It's it's great to have wrestling in front of live crowds. AEW has been. Uh, I mean, they've had a, they've had some kind of fans in attendance really during during the whole pandemic. They they had at the beginning of the the lockdown, they had the rest of the wrestlers on the roster sit at ringside and cheer for the matches. So so it was like okay, it's kind of like there's you could at least hear people cheering and booing and clapping and making noise, and that the you know that took away that that awkwardness of oh my god they're just they're wrestling in a gym in front of absolutely nobody. It's a couple camera people, some producers maybe, the announcers, referee, and that's it. No audience whatsoever. So at least AEW had an audience pretty much the whole time. And at first it was their own roster. And then they, they, you know, they had their home base in Jacksonville and would let small groups of fans come in, socially distanced with masks. So you could hear some, you know, there was, there was some actual fans in the, in the audience during most of the pandemic. And then, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago, they... They started to let tons of people into that uh, into that Daly's place in Jacksonville, and then a few weeks ago they went back out on the road. They went out to Miami, and they they've got the whole tour going again. AEW is coming to Boston at the end of October. I managed to snag a ticket, and uh, I hope that when they do show up, I hope we'll be seeing uh, at least either Daniel Bryan or I should say Brian Danielson and or CM Punk. Those that's the rumor mill these days. Daniel uh, Brian Danielson seems a lock for AEW, which is very exciting. And uh, CM Punk, it seems like uh, for the first time in the, the two-year existence of AEW that that could be a very real possibility. And that makes me happy. Because CM Punk, I, he hasn't wrestled in seven years, almost eight years. So I don't know how good he can be in the ring. I don't really care. Because CM Punk, I've never really... He's had some phenomenal matches. I think of particular ones against John Cena, against Undertaker, against Brock Lesnar, against Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever you want to call him, uh, Chris Jericho. There's, 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 tons of, there's tons of really good CM Punk matches from, from back in the day. Can he do that again, having not been in the ring in almost a decade? Uh, yeah, Probably. Because we're seeing lots of forty-something, forty-plus-year-old dudes and and women can go out and still uh, still do the things that they were doing in their twenties and thirties. Tom Brady, AJ Styles. Like, look at all these guys. He's seen as in his forties. I'm sure he'll have a, he'll he'll do just Edge. Edge is closer to fifty. He had an unbelievable match with Roman Reigns last week. It's terrific, just terrific. Just terrific. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Daniel Bryan is 40, 41. He's my age. He had great matches in the last... I mean, yeah. It's not, uh, it's not the 1960s where people who were in their mid-40s looked like they were 85. I, th- I still think about my... I was talking to my parents the other day who are, you know... <laughs> they're in their... Uh, not 40s or 50s and 
one is has not been in their 60s for a while and one is about to not be in their 60s pretty soon in a few months and they were talking about how they went to orange theory they're back you know stuff has opened up so they're back doing doing their uh, their workouts at orange theory several days a week and long walks and getting their steps and all this stuff and you know the treadmill and the rowing machine and the elliptical and this thing and that thing and burpees and all this stuff <clears throat> and i started laughing and i said can you i said do you guys ever think do you ever do you guys ever picture your parents at the exact same age you are now and think about how there would be zero percent chance that they would be doing any of the stuff even close to any of the stuff that you're doing at the same age right now my my grandpa died when he was 78 my dad's about to turn 75 and he's going to the gym every day running on the treadmill and doing the rowing machine and my mom's doing the same stuff and even more intense and she's about to turn 70 my grandparents were in their 50s when i was born i think my grandpa was maybe uh yeah 60 yeah my grandparents were both in their 50s and when i was a little kid i think about the fact that they were in their 50s and they they were they were old people they didn't just seem old to me because i was a little kid they were old because they were old because they, <laughs> my grandpa was in World War II. He's a World War II veteran. My, you know, they grew up as kids. They had, uh, you know, they were kids during the, well, yeah, during the Great Depression. They were teens and 20s-somethings during World War II. My grandpa fought in World War II. And so they lived, uh, <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> the, what's the joke about, like, uh, about uh, how old Wil- Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon, and how old, uh, how Tom Cruise is like ten years older, jumping off planes in the Mission Impossible movies. It's just different. Science, medicine, technology, lifestyle. Uh, listen, obviously, if you're a big multi-million-dollar movie star worth hundreds of millions, you can certainly afford to to have the best care. And take the time that you need to make sure that your body is in the best possible shape. So it's a, but nevertheless, yeah, my, my grandparents, my grandpa retired. He played a little bit of golf and he sat on his easy chair waiting for the mail and waiting for lunch to be served and waiting for, uh, you know, maybe a Sunday night dinner. Some a few other, few other little activities here and there. But he basically spent his retirement, which wasn't too long. It was maybe about 10 years between retirement and death and he spent it largely in his easy chair and uh my parents certainly love their easy chair but they're out there it's just crazy that's my only point is you've got these 40 oh cm punk's 40 something years old can he can he come back to wrestling and actually uh have it of course he can 40 is nothing if it was again if it was the 1950s it was the 19 it's even the 1980s somebody in their 40s would not be competing in any way but things are different. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just uh, the, the evolution of the species. <laughs> uh, go, back, uh, go back even long before the 1950s when people didn't live past uh, too much past the age of maybe 30, 35 years old. So, yeah, if they had pro wrestling, <laughs> they had pro wrestling uh, 600 years ago. Uh, people would be probably in their prime uh, around the age of 19. They'd probably retire around the age of 25, and then they'd die. <laughs> they'd die a few years later, which actually 
is not too far off the time span, the lifespan of, of a lot of wrestlers, sadly. But that was that's a different generation. The current generation uh, is not the same as the wrestlers from the 80s and 90s, who all, so many of them, tragically died before they turned 40. In any event, my point is, CM Punk, if he comes back, if he can wrestle, even if he can't wrestle, I don't really care. Because the thing that he does best is pick up a microphone and churn out uh, gold. As, as I am doing right now on this podcast that everybody has tuned out uh, in the last 20 minutes talking about wrestling at my parents' ages. In any event, great to have wrestling back in front of a live crowd, just, just as it was great to have NBA basketball and Major League Baseball and all these things. And, of course, now turning on the Olympics and seeing empty seats. <laughs> hey, whatever. We, all, we, we, we were very close to not having the Olympics at all. We didn't have, it was supposed to be last year, obviously not. And uh, now the Olympics are back, and there's nobody watching in the, in the stadiums. But eh, it's different. I mean, there's so many events where you can't even see the audience. You know, you think about the... I guess I guess the swimming will probably be a little less exciting, perhaps. I don't even know. I've watched none of the Olympics so far. Maybe they're piping in crowd noise. Maybe. So, wrestling, basketball, all these all these great things back in front of a live crowd, and it's great to have that. Uh, what else? What else to talk about? I, it's a, it's an early morning. I'm very tired, but I figured I, I, I'm. Trying to get, trying to squeeze in a podcast every week. Get back to the usual cadence, the usual routine. Couldn't, uh, did not have any time to podcast yesterday because I had the, uh, the, uh, the traditional. Hey, I'm looking out the window. There's a. Uh, it's interesting. As I was talking about my grandparents, there's a cardinal on a, on a ledge. I don't often see cardinals, almost never outside the window. My parents always say that the. The red cardinal that shows up in their backyard is my, is my grandpa. I think that's what they say. So here I am talking about my grandpa, and a red cardinal shows up. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just a cardinal, but it's interesting. Anyway, couldn't do a podcast Friday because we went, we went and saw Old. I finished up work. And immediately threw on my sneakers. We hopped in the car, went over to Chunky's, and we saw the new M Night Shyamalan movie, Old. So we've now we've been to two theater movies since the lockdowns ended and things opened up. Uh, Quiet Place Two was the first one, which we all loved, which Kalen stood up and proclaimed, "That's my new favorite movie." At the end of it, and uh, and then yesterday or Friday, we saw Old, and. I'm not a fan of M. Night Shyamalan at all. I think most of his movies are absolute <laughs> rubbish. Uh, Sixth Sense was incredible. When you see it for the first time and you don't know the twist and then the twist happens, it's, it's one of the great moments in the history of cinema, I think. When you realize, like, oh, my God, that's what's... I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil the 22-year-old movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, about the kid who sees dead people. And it's just, oh my God, what a great, what a great twist. 
if you don't see it coming and you haven't had it spoiled and you're watching it, it's like, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and then you think, and then he comes out a couple years later with another. He comes out with signs. You say, ah, oh, this is gonna be great. I can't wait to see the what happens here. And it's like, eh, okay. And I like signs. You know, the aliens and stuff. It was, yeah, very scary. Especially, you know, you don't see the aliens the whole time. And then when you do that great scene where they show the home video of the birthday party and the creature walks past, it's just great. Because you think, okay, this is going to be one of those movies where we never see the horrible thing that's coming to get everybody. And that's part of the fun. And then they do reveal it. And then that's even more fun. So, okay, Signs, Signs has its moments. The village was so bad. I jokingly, I don't give a shit, I'll spoil the village. Uh, it's not even worth watching. The village is, it's, this, it's, it's a village. It's an old, uh, you know, it looks like a kind of a colonial village, I think, if I remember right. Uh, and they, every night or every so often, these monsters come out of the woods. The bell rings and everybody has to run and run and hide because the monsters come out of the woods and they're these big weird looking creatures with these big cloaks and then and then the big surprise at the end i guess is that it's people from the village dress up as those monsters and it's a way to keep everybody sort of under control and i'm sure it's a big metaphor for the the monsters and the boogeymen that that we create in society to keep us under control and things like that I, you know you can look at it any number of ways uh I laughed out loud during that movie. I said two things when we saw that movie in the theater. I turned to Kim and I said, I said, this whole village is probably, it's probably some kind of reality show that they're taping and we're going to, that's going to be the big reveal. I jokingly said that. And she laughed and I'm like, yeah, that would be funny. And then at the end, the kid, the blind kid escapes the village. Bryce Dallas Howard, whatever her name is. And, uh, escapes the village and climbs over the big fence to the village, the big wall that they have, and runs through a field or something, and then you see headlights, and a car pulls up. And it turns out the people who, the elders in the village, are like college professors or research scientists or something who created created this village, you know, a Truman Show-esque kind of thing where only they know the truth and they, the, other, the other adults know the truth. And then the children, of course, are raised thinking that there's in this colonial village with no electricity or running water or anything. And that's what they think the world is like. And I, and it's, you know, that's fine. But I kind of, I jokingly said that's probably what's happening. The funniest part was that uh, that Adrian, Adrian Brody, his character, who was, you know, he played a dullard. He played a, you know, kind of a dopey guy. <laughs> he dresses up as the monster to chase, and he's chasing Bryce, Dallas, Bryce, whatever her name is, Howard, the blind girl. He's chasing her through the woods, and then she outsmarts him. <laughs> she outsmarts him, and he falls to his death into a pit of spikes. And then, and then when the blind girl comes back to the village and she says, "I, one of the one of the monsters, the creatures chased me through the woods, but I outsmarted him, and he fell to his death." And then Adrian Brody's mother just starts bawling. She realized her stupid son. 
It's not a monster because the elders of the village know they know what's up. And she starts crying because she realizes her dopey son put on the monster costume and now he's dead. <laughs> uh, maybe it's more of me being a sociopath, but I, I laughed uncontrollably at that part in the movie, at that scene. And then there was the lady in the water, which is absolutely atrocious. And then Night Shyamalan puts himself in his own movies, but not, you know, Hitchcock did that where he's like, you know, he's sitting on a bench holding a child or he's uh, talking on a payphone and you see him for what, all of eight seconds, maybe. And then that's it. And then you've got like, you know, the Stan Lee cameos, which are, which are adorable because he's in it for, you know, maybe he's in there for 30 seconds. He's a shopkeeper. He's a bus driver whatever. And it's it's like oh I can't you know you you wait you wait for those cameos because they're so fun and I know Stan Lee's not directing these movies but he created all these characters you know a large large percentage he created this whole universe and is responsible for so many of these things so it's like oh that's so great it's so no-. he's in the video games he's in the cartoons he's in the movies obviously not anymore but it's great and Night Shyamalan puts himself in the movies as like a central character. And it's so shitty, and it's so annoying. And you just want him to, every time he's on screen, you just want him to not be on the screen. Because he's just a, he's just a little weasel on the screen. And in that lady in the water, which is just a bunch of people at an apartment complex with a pool in the middle of it, and there's a mermaid. That's the, I think it's that dialed Bryce Dallas Howard, she's a mermaid. There's a mermaid, that's the lady in the water. It's just, it's a mermaid. And all the different characters in all their little rooms, all their apartments. M. Night Shyamalan plays, I believe, a writer who just sits in the dark in his apartment writing stories. And somebody comes to his... There's a scene where somebody's talking to M. Night Shyamalan about... Literally talking to M. Night Shyamalan playing a character of a writer in the movie talking about how important his stories are. The character's stories played by M. Night Shyamalan. Your stories will change the world. Your stories are the great gift to the world that we need. I don't, I don't know. It was 15 years ago that I saw that movie. And that was, that was Lady in Water was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with the Shyamalan uh, <laughs> grift. <laughs> he, got us with, uh, he got us with The Sixth Sense. Great movie. Signs was fun. The village was stupid. But, like, okay, it's, at least it starts out kind of you know, scary and entertaining, and then it just gets dumb. And the lady in the water was just, from start to finish, was just a piece of trash. And then, uh, yeah, and then and then we stopped going to see his movies in the theater, and I think we got that, uh, The Happening, was that the name of it? The, the event, or The Happening? The plants are killing everybody. People just start randomly committing suicide, jumping off buildings, doing horrible things to each other. And it's spores from plants. And it sucks. <laughs> I, that, was, that was a Netflix. Back when, back when you got the discs, before Netflix was the big streaming monster that it is, and it was just a rental thing when you got discs in the mail. Oh boy, my Netflix disc is here. I think that's how we watched The Happening. And it was so bad. And then I think, I don't know if, I guess he made movies after that. I don't really know. He made The, the Last Airbender. Who knows? But we, we were done. I was done with him. And then, and then during the Super Bowl, they played the, the trailer for Old. And we all, we all laughed at it. We all sat there, the kids, we all sat laughing at this movie about little kids, you know, on an island. And then they, they go off and then they come back and they're, 
the six-year-old kid he's now he's 13 and then a few hours later he comes back and now he's now he's 25 and then he's 40 and uh we thought that's going to be if i know m night Shyamalan, it's going to be pretentious it's going to take itself very seriously and it's going to be an unintentional laugh riot and it was all of those things but it just wasn't it wasn't enough of a laugh riot there were some legitimately hilarious parts Parts where I actually sat there and I thought, is he just, does he know that his, that his stuff is so crappy that, that he's just deliberately now trying to make it a comedy without, without categorizing it as a comedy? That's what I'm wondering. Because it was. It was just a hilarious movie. The, the dialogue is so weird and the delivery of the dialogue is even stranger. And not in a way that, like adds to it or enhances things it's just in a way that you're scratching your head and you're like is this like uh are they did he as a director tell everybody like hey act like it's your very first acting gig in a community theater and you're you know you're you're an accountant or you're a teacher or you're a lawyer and in the evenings just for fun uh, you know, you always wanted to be a big movie star, and so in, for fun, you're you're acting in these plays. Act like, which is, I, I say that I, that's really a that's a, a besmirchment of local community theater, which can be quite good. I'm just saying, my point is, these people seem like they have never, <laughs> and, and, and most of these actors I didn't recognize. There's the one kid who's who is in Hereditary. There's a few people who I've seen, you know. Certainly know them from other things. Um, but some of these folks, I'm watching them. I'm like, I, they're, all, they're all delivering dialogue the same way. So it just makes me think. It's like, well, they're not, this isn't how they would act. In other, I've, I've seen some of these people in other things. That's not how they act. But some of the dialogue is, you know, one guy, and this is the guy who's probably one of the better actors of the group. He says, he's, you know, they're on this island and everybody's getting old. <laughs> And, like, the dog's dying. I, sorry, I guess that's a spoiler. The dog dies. The dog that you see for ten seconds dies. But it's, we know from the trailer that the people are on this beach and they, get, they grow old at a very rapid rate. Like, every hour. There are just... Every, every, every couple of seconds is, uh, is like a... I don't know. Several months. or Every, every hour is a... I don't remember what it was. Every 20 minutes is a couple of years. I, I don't know. I forgot what the... I forgot the math. I forgot the calculations. But nevertheless, they grow old at a very rapid rate. And uh, and the, the youngsters, the young kids, basically have, uh, I don't know, maybe about 24 hours or so. <laughs> 24, 48 hours before they grow old and die. So the youngest kids have maybe maybe two days on that island. And so one of the guy at one point, one guy's basically saying like they're talking about how dangerous it is, and it's showing shots of the of the breakers hitting these jagged rocks, and like nobody, nobody, we can't, we don't have a boat, and we can't. Anyone who tries to swim, it's got to be about a hundred pool, a hundred Olympic sized pool lengths, and then that's just to get around uh, the around the thing, and then and then who knows where you have to swim to to get off this island? Blah 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 blah, and then this one guy says. The same guy who's talking about how dangerous it is, a few minutes later, he says, I was on the swim team. I can do it. But the delivery, he's like, I was on the swim team once. I can do this. 
I'll do this. I will swim out to the ocean and I will go get help. And that's how like the delivery of, <laughs> it's so weird. The kids and Kimmy and I were cracking up and I felt bad. And then I heard like other people were, I could hear other people behind us laughing at the same stuff. So it's like, well, this isn't just, this isn't just us thinking that this is ridiculous and cracking up. There's a lot of people in this theater right now who are laughing and this ain't a comedy. <laughs> but you know what? Guess who was in the, guess who paid to buy a ticket to go see this movie? So if, if M. Night Shyamalan was, uh, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him direct movies anymore if he couldn't, if he couldn't bring him into the, it couldn't bring him into the theater. So, so that's what, uh, so, so he's, he's going to keep making movies and I guess we'll probably go keep going to see them because they're so bad. All right. <clears throat> yeah, so we uh, so we went to the movies and saw Old. I got to tell you, I uh, the only reason we didn't go to the drive-ins is because Old wasn't playing at the drive-ins. It was Space Jam 2, which you could just watch on HBO, which translation I'm not watching it in the drive-ins on HBO on any I I can't imagine a universe. Right? I can't imagine any scenario. I haven't seen the first one. Because that came out when I was 16, and I said, why the hell am I going to see basketball, Michael Jordan playing basketball against the Looney Tunes in space? I don't care about this. Space Jam 2, if I didn't care about Michael Jordan playing against the Looney Tunes, I sure as hell don't care about LeBron James playing against the Looney Tunes. So we're good. Good with Space Jam 2. <laughs> I mean, and the kids the kids are 11 and 9. They're past the point that they give two shits about, or any shits about seeing anybody playing basketball with the Looney Tunes. Just like they're not going to be watching Boss Baby 2 anytime soon. Which, by the way, I'm so happy. <clears throat> I think I've mentioned this before. You know, you go back uh, before lockdowns and pandemics and everything like that. And the last thing we saw in the movies was uh, was Jumanji 2, which is fine. I hope I never see it again. I hope I never see any Jumanji again. They're fun one time and that's it. It's like, it's just one of those, it's built to be one of those things that you see on a Sunday afternoon when there's nothing. Oh, what's on TBS? Oh, Jumanji. Yeah, okay. And that's fine. Fun, good, whatever. But I, I love the fact that we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see things that aren't animated. And there's great, I love great animated, you know, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks. There's so many great things out there, and there's so much crap, too. Boss Baby is one of those things I have no interest in seeing, and luckily my kids have no, no interest in seeing either. And they've always had, their tastes have always been a little bit better than that. Uh, you know, because even when Boss Baby 1 came out, when they were much younger, they had no interest in seeing Boss Baby 1. Did that even come out in the theaters? I don't even know. I guess it did. Yeah, it did. Whatever the case may be, uh, they watched it at some point on Netflix and they thought it was a big piece of crap because it is. Anyways, I love the fact that the, the two movies so far the, that we've seen in the theater since the pandemic uh, lockdowns lifted has been Quiet Place 2 and Old. And Old stunk and Quiet Place 2 did not. But it's it's like, okay, these are movies that maybe, you know, if it was just the wife and I going out on a Friday or a Saturday night, or a Saturday afternoon or something, Sunday afternoon to go see a movie. This is the shit that we'd say, okay, yeah, you want to go see old? Yeah, okay, sure, whatever. So it's nice that the kids are tagging along. Had to have the little one, uh, little one had to cover their eyes <laughs> during uh, one of the previews for the new Halloween movie, which looks awful. 
it looks, I, you know, I don't give a shit about those movies anyways. I've never been like Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers. I don't. The first Halloween is really good, but I also, it's another movie that, like, I've seen it once. And uh, if it's on in the month of October, I'll flip past, you know, any of those Halloween movies. I've seen some of the newer ones. I saw the last one where there's, like, Jamie Lee Curtis has, like, a, she has a Michael Myers fallout shelter in the basement. That's like has some, you know, electronic lever bookshelf or something, a secret trap door that she can hide. She can hide from Michael Myers in the basement. And that was okay. But this one is, I don't know, just it looks so gratuitous, the violence and stuff. And just like, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to see it. That's all. I'm, that's what I'm telling you. I will never see that, the, the new upcoming Halloween movie. Uh, Anyways, it just it just looks brutal. Anyway, um, so yeah, the movies. Good to be back seeing movies. I much prefer the drive-ins. We got to the drive-ins a lot last year, particularly in the fall. Uh, good, which was a great thing to do to get out and actually be out, seeing things out in the world, seeing movies, and you know, it was just it was just classic Halloween, Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas and Witches and Adam's Family. It was all these great October movies out in the crisp fall air, uh, sitting in the back of the car and watching watching these classic movies that it was great because there was no new movies to watch, so it was it was fun. And getting the, you know, elementary school quality cheeseburgers and hot dogs and delicious fried dough, candy and all that shit. It's fun. The drive-ins, you know, like all right, this cheeseburger, I'm going to get this cheeseburger that's been sitting under this heat lamp for God knows how long. It's not going to be a, uh, a gourmet meal by any stretch, but it's exactly what you expect from the drive-in. You go to a place like Chunky's where you're sitting down, it's like, man, I... And that's the other thing. You go to the drive-ins and like you get a pile of like cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets and mozzarella sticks and popcorn and candy and soda and all that fried dough all this crap french fries and the whole thing nachos you name it you could get all of what i just mentioned and get out of there for like 30 bucks it's ridiculous you go to chunky's and uh yeah the cost of the the admission is pretty reasonable okay whatever five six bucks to get in that's nice and for what you pay though to get the food and they have a limited menu they don't have my reservoir dogs anymore the Mission Impossible nachos. There's nothing impossible about the. It used to be Mission Impossible nachos. These nachos are very possible now. It's a, it's a perfectly. It should just be. It should just be called like a plausible. The plausible nachos, Mission Mission Possible nachos. Very possible nachos because there's there's barely anything on the plate. They don't give you the bowl of chili anymore. You can't get guacamole anymore. It's a little bit of sour cream a dollop of sour cream, a little bit of cheese stuck to the nachos, processed cheese. It's quite disgusting. The Wizard of Ozzarella sticks are quite good. The ham, the burgers at Chunky's are horrendous. They're, I would rather have the burger from the drive-in movie theater that reminds me of the hamburger I used to get when I was in third grade at the cafeteria. And probably still tastes exactly the same as that burger if you were go to go to any school cafeteria these days. Uh, you know, you expect, okay, I'm paying like $3, $2, $3 or whatever it is for a burger at the drive-ins. And it's going to taste like a $2 or $3 burger. Got it. Great. 
you go to Chunky's and it's eleven ninety nine or twelve ninety nine for a burger, the Kevin Bacon burger, <laughs> or the barbecue burger, or the che- whatever, and it tastes, you know, it tastes like an old shoe. And it's like, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Why, you know, put some. I, I think I just need to. I, I think I need to re- reevaluate because all I used to get at Chunky's was the Reservoir Dogs, the hot dogs, two hot dogs and fries, perfect, grilled toasted bun, love it. And uh, and now nah, they don't have it. They have a limited menu, which has a couple burgers, a salad, and some appetizers, chicken nuggets, and burgers for the kids. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't. I feel sick to my stomach every time I leave there. And yet I go back. Because why? Because I like to torture myself. That's what I do. That's why I leave. That's why I've spent this last year leaving one job to go to another job that I may hate even more. Because I just, I find myself enjoying just being tortured. So when I go to the movies, I torture myself. Uh, yes, I'll have a cheeseburger that I know I'm going to hate, please. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. Okay, we, we did we did Chunky's. Fine, great. I'm looking forward to the next movie outing is going to be the drive-ins. Go see a, a double feature of some kind. And they got some good stuff. They've got that Black Widow and they've got the snake eyes and some other things that i have no <laughs> no interest in seeing but are good fun at the drive-ins uh so yeah that's probably what we'll do and uh eh, it's all good what else do i want to talk to you about i just want to talk about food i feel like the only thing i have written down here is food stuff food stuffs uh y- did i talk about the best hot dog in the city of nashua speaking of hot dogs we had to go yesterday, and we got a new car. Who cares? Uh, and I go to the local Toyota dealership. And really, okay, we're, we're there because we need to get a new car. Great. Let's get a new car. My The car that I drive, my car purchasing strategy or, or, or belief or motto or whatever you want to call it, mission statement... I've always, my my own personal car for me has always been a pre-owned, somebody else back in the, you know, when I'm a teenager and in my 20s, pre-owned meaning it used to be my dad's car or it used to be my grandparents' car or something along those lines. And then when I got, when I bought my first car when I was 25, it was a pre-owned car that five years before that costs probably forty or $50,000. And I just let it, uh, I'll let somebody else pay for the depreciation. And I bought the car used. It was a Lexus. It was the greatest car ever. It was a 2000 Lexus with 60,000 miles on it. I got it to almost uh, 270. It was still going. It just couldn't pass inspection without, uh, you know, a significant amount of money and time and effort being put into it where, uh, you know, you get to a point like, what's the real cost benefit here? How much, how much more am I going to get if I spend a few thousand dollars uh, versus just trading this thing in and uh, and getting something quote unquote new, so I traded it in four years ago and got another pre-owned car that was probably uh, a 2014 Camry that was probably I don't know. It's the XLE. It's like the top Camry at the time with all the bells and whistles, all the features, and a 2014 model with all the apps and Sirius radio and blah 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 blah. And I also got it for some very low 
you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars less than than it originally caught, and the original owners paid for it. That's my. That's how I. Those are my cars. Let somebody else pay for the depreciation. A little wear and tear, but something that's in good shape, and gets me from A to B. Great. For the car that the kids are going to be spending ninety five percent of their time in, it's a little different approach. So we lease that car. I don't love leasing. It's not great. It's just like renting a car for a few years and then taking it back so that you can keep, you're just perpetually paying for a car, which is stupid. But also, I know what it's like to have a car that's paid off and that feels great. And then it just gets older and older and more wear and tear. And instead of, uh, you know, a few hundred dollars here and there, then it becomes a few thousand dollars to put into repairs. And then you say, okay, what am I, you know, the diminishing re- returns on this thing is, has, has kicked in. So uh, having that monthly car payment all the time, eh, not my favorite thing. But having a car that I know is going to be in great shape and that comes with, uh, you know, some of the benefits of, you know, taking it, the free servicing, uh, you know, every 5,000 miles, getting, not having to pay for the servicing, knowing that they're taking great care of it at the dealership, it's being monitored, it's, it's the latest and greatest, fine. And my kids are in it. It's the safest thing you could get. Great. The problem with that, <laughs> the good, so that's on the plus side, I've, uh, for those cars that we've leased, I think I've spent like, this is our third lease, fourth, third, fourth, I don't know. And in total, on all of those, I've maybe spent, maybe, maybe have spent $500 between the four cars on any kind of repairs. Maybe. I don't even know if it's that much. So that's nice to know that, you know, just as the car is turning three and my, you might have to start putting some actual money into things, getting fixed and whatnot, that's when it's time to take it back and let them worry about it. Great. The other problem is every, that means every three years you have to go back to the goddamn place and renegotiate something new. And it's not like the old days. It's not like I, I was telling I, – I, I took my 11-year-old with me yesterday. It's the first time I always just go by myself. And it's a very long and very boring day. Even if, the, even if you can f- come to an agreement pretty quickly, pretty early on, you know, the fun part is taking a car out for the spin, try, trying a few other things. You know, I knew what I wanted, so I wasn't going to sit there driving a bunch of cars. I just had – this is what I want. I want a newer version of the same car taking it out, test drive, that's all fun. Negotiating, it can be fun. I, I actually don't, you know, negotiating all the time. So, I don't, you know, it's kind of fun to, like, you know, make these guys work for you and, and you get a deal that, that works well for you. It's, uh, you know, it's good. And by the way, I got a deal yesterday where I got a newer, upgraded, I had the, the limited edition, the, the, whatever, the, 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 the low-end version that was my last car. Now I've got the high-end version. And I somehow got out of there and my monthly payment has gone down by 40 or $50. Because I was able to get an even better deal than, than, what I, than what I had. A much better deal. So that's great. It's the pr- you sit there all day. The paperwork and the contracts and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's just... But I'll tell you, I was, uh, my oldest came with me. 
And we were there from maybe about 11.30 until about 5 o'clock. Not, not a great, not the way I love to spend a Saturday. But, hey, now we don't have to do that for another three years. And, uh, and maybe this will be the car that we just say, hey, let's just keep this car. And we'll just buy it. I don't know. But anyways, not something I have to worry about for, for a few more years. That's good. Uh, I will say the last time in 2018, I dropped the youngest off for a play date, went to the dealership, negotiated a new car, and came and was done before the play date was over. It was like maybe a four-hour play date, maybe. And so I dropped the youngest off, went, negotiated a car, drove it off the lot, and picked, a, picked up the youngest at the end of the day. This one was... Actually, my youngest had a play date as well yesterday, but at our place. And uh, I guess we got home just just minutes, just seconds after uh, her friend had left. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it's a long day. And I, uh, you know, to the oldest, I said, you want to come with me? Sure, let's let's do it. Uh, we both brought our Nintendo Switches. We played some video games. We sat and chatted. Uh, but I was during these downtimes, we would just chat. You know, that's nice. You get free. They have free ice pops, water. <laughs> they have a lovely. You get you get a discount or sometimes free food from the cafeteria, which I'll talk about in a second. But I was telling I was telling my child. I said this is not like the old days. Like the old days was that we, <clears throat> you expected that when it was time to get a new car. I mean. Leasing is a relatively new thing too. As you know, I think somewhere in the '80s they came up with that. It's like, hey, how can we, how can we get people to pay money for the car but never actually own it, and they'll just keep paying us forever for, until they just buy a car? Oh, we'll call it leasing. I, I think maybe maybe leasing's been around longer, but I I don't remember cars being leased when I was a kid. Somewhere in like the late '80s, early '90s, that started to become a a mainstream thing that people did. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But my I know my parents didn't lease cars until somewhere in, well into the mid-90s. In any case, uh, yeah, we, when I was a kid, I remember spending the entire, from sunup until sundown on a Saturday, on a, my entire weekend was just riding in the back of the car with my parents to go to dealership after dealership after dealership after dealership, all up and down I-87, Albany, Schenectady, Saratoga, Clifton Park, all over the place, wherever, wherever they had dealerships, Glenville, Chevy dealership, Ford dealership, Buick dealership, Dodge dealership, whatever, Toyota dealership, Honda, we would go to every, every goddamn dealership on the planet and we would spend the entire saturday and the entire sunday and there was there never seemed to be a, you know we drive all you know station wagons we would drive sedans we'd drive high top conversion vans all these cars and then nothing and then we'd spend the rest of every night, a couple nights a week after school, we'd go and we'd be just until eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night, sitting at the dealership, my dad negotiating all this stuff. And then, no, 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 we're walking away. Not, no, not going to get this one. They don't have what we like, or the price is not right or this or that, any, any number of things. And it was just such a lengthy process 
because you had to deal with these like sleazy salespeople who were, you know, just bullshitting you. And it's not really, it's, it's not really like that anymore. When I first started, you know, when I first bought my first cars, there was a little bit of that. The guy in Saratoga, it was called Saratoga Motor Car. He was a, well, he was a slime ball. He also called the police on me because I took the car for a test drive and the stupid idiot didn't ask for any, uh, you know, copy of the driver's license, didn't need to come with me or anything. He just let me go. I was gone forever because I wanted to know, hey, it was a, the pre-owned Lexus. I want to know how does this drive on the regular back roads? How does this drive on the highway? I want to know all this stuff. It happened to be during the middle of Saratoga racing, you know, horse racing season. So I got stuck in the middle of downtown Saratoga and couldn't move anywhere and didn't know, you know, this was like flip phone time. So I don't know the number to call Saratoga motor car. So I just, uh, I was gone. I was gone for a good hour, maybe an hour and a half. And I got back and he told me he called the police on me. And I said, that's funny. Not my fucking fault. You didn't take my license or something. And I, I, I left, I left my car here. It's like, what, how far do you think I'm going to go? Anyway, uh, he was a bit of a sleazeball, but he got me a, you know, it was a pretty easy, like, hey, this is the car that I want. I've done the car. I checked the VIN. I've checked the previous ownership. I've done the research. And uh, I, I guess that's the difference is nowadays we have the internet. So you really don't need to go and just drive. I don't know anything about these cars. Let me drive all of them. It's not like that anymore. I know the car that I want. I want the same model. I just want the newer, nicer version of it, and if possible, pay the same or less than I've been paying on my previous lease. Great, and I got all of that. And I, before that, I emailed a couple dealerships and said, hey, here's what I want, what can you do? And so I had a good idea of what I could get from the other dealerships, so I knew when I went to the one that I normally do business with, I knew whether or not I was getting screwed. So it's just different. Between all the research you can do online and being able to email and all the pre-work that can be done, it's just not like the old days where you show up and there's a guy with his friggin', you know, this polyester <laughs> suit and tie. And he's, uh, you know, hey, uh, what can I, what can, what do I got to do to put you in this car today? You know, and all that bullshit. The dealership in Florida was a little bit like that. There were some real Florida man sleazeballs when I leased my first, our first family lease. Back in 2012 was a RAV4. Luckily, I had a brand new greener than grass salesperson who only wanted me to get a great deal and didn't seem to give a shit what happened to him. I think he just wanted to, maybe it was his first sale or close to it because he he sat there and said, okay, here's what you have to do. You want to, what kind of price he wanted this car? Okay, just don't tell me, you know, he, he gave me like, here's, here's exactly what we're going to do to get the price that you want. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't do himself any favors, but it was very helpful. And he got, you know, I knew, because again, in 2012, we had internet, so I knew what the car was worth. I knew what the the average lease was on a car like that, uh, you know, and I had a car to trade in. I had some leverage. I had this, I had that. And so, yeah, so I got what I wanted, and he helped me get there. Versus the old days where the salesperson is not trying to give you that much information. They just want want to just want to move units. And that's still the name of the game, but it's, it's the approach has changed. The, you know, people aren't, uh, you know, you, at no point does the, does the term, okay, go sharpen your pencil. Nobody's that, that's not a term that needs to be said anymore. It, you know, 
so it's it's all it's all just so different and it's so streamlined. So that's good. Uh, but it's it's yeah, the Florida one was you know I taught. Okay, go get your manager. The manager comes out and he is just like gold chains, gold watch, gold. I mean, gold teeth. Not even joking. Gold teeth. The the Florida kind of combination smokers tan and florida sunshine tan and like the yellow hair from tobacco from all the smoking and the nicotine and all that stuff and uh yeah just some just some real sleazy characters but i haven't um the last four times or whatever three times i guess three leases and a purchase from the same place and it's just these kids who are my age and they're not it's just not it's just not the old you know nobody's wearing the little you know suit and tie with the with the different uh, you know a wool a wool suit jacket with the different colored patches on it and things like that you know with their gold rings what do i got to do to put you in this car today that's just not like that anymore which is good but it's still a process no matter what even if you walked in there and and you know that's kind of sort of what i did is i said okay i know I got an idea of the inventory, which in this day and age, right now, there is no inventory for automobiles. So I was very nervous. That was the one I've never had this concern before is saying, oh, my God, what if they don't have any cars? What if there's no inventory? My lease was up in a month, so I figured I'd get a jump on it. And so I went in after emailing a few places and finding out that they had no no inventory for the car that I wanted and said, oh, we might have one, uh, but it's a different you know, a different make, uh, different, different brand, different manufacturer. Uh, the one you want, we might, we should be getting something in about three weeks. Uh, and here's what, uh, given, given your parameters, here's what it'll cost you, uh, before we were to run a credit check and, you know, really hammer out the numbers. So I knew going in like, okay, this is the going rate for the car that I want. And if I can get somewhere in that ballpark, that's less than what I paid on my last lease, and that's exactly what I got. And the kid wasn't just a nice guy. You know, it's just, he's like, <laughs> he was just a nice dude. You know, it's, it's conversational. It's not, it's not this sleazy kind of weird thing. It's a very, it's a much more, uh, much more personable approach. You know, it's, it's all good. The only problem is it's still, it's still sales and selling things sucks and it's not for everybody. It's not for most people. So the only problem is when I go in, I know I'm not going to see the same salesperson that I had three years ago. In fact, the salesperson that I had in 2017, when I bought my car, I had to go back in 2018 when the lease on my wife's car was up and get a new lease. And she was already long gone. I asked, I said, is Alexis still working here? Nope. (laughs) She left a few months ago. That's a bummer. So you're not likely to see the same people. Although I did see the salesperson uh, who I had three years ago and very nice fellow. Also, you know, kind of a goofball kind of, uh, you know, and he was, he was very green then. Maybe he's a better, he's better now, but I was happy to not deal with him. Um, I, I much preferred the guy that I had. And uh, yeah, so it was all good. But really the highlight, the highlight of going to the dealership, it's like, okay, you walk out of there with a new car. That's nice. The real highlight is the food. I'm telling you, 
you know, when there's all this downtime, so you get to a point where, okay, handshake. That was another thing. I pulled in, and I was telling Cam, I said, yep, here we go. So it begins as we pulled onto the lot, and, like, you know, they're, they're always, you know, the vultures are lurking. You know, that, that part hasn't changed. Um, they're just not... They're just not aggressive and in your face like the old days. Just, hey, folks, how we doing? Hey, look at the youngsters here. You know, the whole bullshit, you know, nobody's... We're not as stupid as a, as a society as we were back then, at least socially. We're still very, very stupid and in some ways getting stupider. But in other ways, we kind of... You know, nobody's, nobody's buying the bullshit anymore like they used to. And... Uh, so I'm... I'm back in the car and this guy's just kind of watching us i'm like oh here we go here comes the guy as soon as we get out i said get ready as soon as we get out of the car he's gonna do his whole you know the whole show the whole spiel and he didn't he just said you guys are you here for service or sales or i'm like yeah i'm here for sales i got this this car is done and i need something new he went to shake my hand (laughs) and i I put my hands up. I said, oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm very sorry. Uh, It's not you. It's me. Uh, I'm not going to shake your hand, but I also want you to know I'm not going to shake anybody's hand. You could could bring me to 10 different people today, and I'm not physically touching any of them. As human beings, we don't need to physically touch touch each other as much as we've been doing throughout the course of humankind. Uh, So don't, don't, don't shake my hand. It was all good. He's like, yeah, no, that's cool. I get it. I'm like, yeah, I... I could see he was a little bothered by it because everybody just is back to shaking hands, which is the stupidest thing. I'm not, and I'm not going to be. Nobody's shaking my hand. I could I could do a fist bump. I don't love the fist bump either, but the fist bump's cool. With close friends and family, uh, you know, we're still not going to shake hands, but a, a, a nice hug is, is, is fine. Uh, but with the car salesperson, we're not hugging, we're not shaking, we're not fist bumping. We don't need it. Don't have to do it. Several times, some of the other characters that I had to interact with during the whole process, uh, I could see they went to shake my hand and they could see that I was not reciprocating and they immediately recoiled and, and pulled away. So that's good. And that's how it's going to be. So uh, he was cool with that. And he was just a nice guy. So uh, the process is different. But really, once we, quote unquote, shook hands and came to an agreement... Uh, that's when, okay, now we've got to start doing the paperwork and the contract and all, all that bullshit. And now it's, now it's time to go upstairs and get lunch. And I'm telling you that Toyota, I'm not, this is not an advertisement for Toyota cars. I don't give a shit. Toyota's politics suck. If I wasn't so lazy, I would have just on principle alone, I would have gone and gotten a different car. But the other thing is you go and buy another car and then you find out that company all the shady things, because everybody does shady shit, and, like, so, who cares? Um, so, it's not, you know, don't go buy a Toyota for any reason, unless you like it. Don't look, this is not a, this is not an endorsement of any kind of car. Uh, but, this is an endorsement, that if you happen to be in southern New Hampshire, the greater Boston area, and you mosey on by uh, our fair city of Nashua, and it's before 3 o'clock because this grill closes pretty early. Go to the cafeteria. Go to the grill at the Toyota dealership in Nashua and have a hot dog or have a burger. Have uh, uh, tater tots, curly fries. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, grilled cheese. 
chick, I, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. Because this guy, he's this guy Craig, who's the chef there, the cook, whatever you call him, he's the real deal. He was sitting out and I was talking to him. And I said, listen, man, I just need to tell you that you, your hot dogs are the best in this city. People ask on the sounding board, where can I get a good hot dog? And I respond, go to Toyota of Nashua. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. And you'll get a delicious hot dog grilled with the, you know, the grill lines on the hot dog. And the bun is toasted to a golden brown perfection that I haven't seen since the early days of Friendly's. Friendly's used to be able to toast a hot dog bun. They, I, I don't know what happened. But now the hot dog bun looks like my hot dog buns when we go camping, where it's like there's little hints of golden brown, and there's black, and they let it sit on the plate for too long, and now it's just cold and crunchy. This guy grills his hot dog buns. Oh, it's, it's perfect. It's like childhood. It's like going to Friendly's with my grandparents. His grilled cheeses, burgers, it's tater tots, curly fries, it's all so good. And I was telling him, and he, he was nodding his head. So this guy... This guy isn't just some like, oh, oh, really? Oh, he was like, yeah, no, I know. Uh, I know I'm the best. <laughs> and he was talking about how when he gets uh, this fucking guy's on like dialysis and he's getting a kidney transplant or something. And so when he gets the transplant, he's 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 actually getting it. He's like on the top of the list and he's actually got it's scheduled. It's all whatever. And he's when I get my kidney, my new kidney or whatever, you know, whatever's happening. Whenever that happens, his plan is in the next year or two, he's, he's going to open a restaurant in town. And I said, please do that because this is the best kept secret. At the same time, I say, please don't do that because I like knowing that, you know, there's a, there's a small, uh, a small fraternity of us or sorority of us or whatever, whatever it is, a brotherhood and sisterhood who, uh, who knows that the best hot dog in town is right here. So I don't want you to open a restaurant and then everybody's going to know and they're going to be, I'm telling you, it's the best hot dog. The best hot dog in the area is Sullivan's Castle Island. That's, they're, they're known, they're known throughout the land. That's, we get toasted bun, delicious hot dogs. Sullivan's uh, in South Boston and Castle Island is just the best. And they have great, you know, French fries and fried clams and all the other stuff. If you can't get down to Sullivan's, and you're in New Hampshire, you go to, go to the Toyota dealership and get yourself a pretty goddamn comparable hot dog. Delicious. Delicious. And he uses, uh, he uses, um, it's Cayenne, but it's, uh, it's, it's uh, Scotland's, Scotland's Natural Casing Franks, the, the red box. Because I asked him, what kind of hot dogs am I eating? What is this? What kind of hot dog is this? It's Scotland, which is, it's owned by Cayenne which is the hot dog, I like to get the Fenway Franks at, the gro- at my grocer's freezer, or my grocer's uh, refrigerator, whatever, the hot dog section. Uh, Kayam Fenway Franks, those are at the top of my list. I'm also a big, uh, uh, what's the other ones? Uh, uh, Sabrettes, love those hot dogs. Uh, White Eagle is high up there. Uh, and, and there's a few others. I used to, I used to love Nathan's. I can't, I can't, I can't stomach Nathan's. Um, maybe it's mental over time watching that fucking idiot Joey Chestnut stuff those wet hot dogs down his gullet. I, I'm not really sure, but Nathan's doesn't do it. I used to, used to be, 
20 years ago, Nathan's was my favorite. That I wasn't even, and the rest were all a distant second. But now, I'm, yeah, not so much. Anyway, so that's Sabretz and Kayam, Fenway Franks, White Eagle. Those are those are among my favorite Frankfurters. And so now I'll have to try out this uh, whatever I just said, Shonens, Scotlands. Anyway, this guy makes the best hot dog in town. He really does. Golden brown. Best curly fries. Just delicious. That's what I look forward to. Every three years, I dread having to go through this process. But I also know there's going to be about an hour in there where I'm going to go and relax up in the cafe and sit there and do absolutely nothing but eat <laughs> eat hot dogs and curly fries and tater tots. And that's what I did yesterday. And I got to have my, uh, I got to have my oldest with me enjoying a delicious hot dog. And... Uh, it was a good. It was a good day, and then immediately we got our car. We drove off the lot. Got the new ride. Very nice. Very smooth. Very comfortable. About to go take a ride in it in just a few minutes. The Sunday drive with the family. We drove. We drove off the lot and went directly to Mac Mulkin across the street, the Chevy dealership, and went upstairs to look at the Corvettes because the oldest, as soon as we left, said, "Hey, can we just go?" Can we go over there and look at the Corvettes? Because <laughs> they, have, they have a second story of their showroom. And all you can see is a beautiful rainbow of, of beautiful bright reds and blues and yellows. Shiny, futuristic looking sporty things staring at you from the, from the top floor. So we went in there and uh, yeah, we checked out. We checked out my, uh, my 11-year-old's future future ride and i'll tell you i'm not really a corvette guy i've never i'm not really a car guy i'm not a car guy at all i don't i don't care there's some cars that i've always the, the cars that i've always been interested in are old man cars long uh, you know land yacht type things the big big giant old people cars with uh you know with cushiony seats and all the all the bells and whistles uh, you know, that's I, I like a car that's big and comfortable. Now I like cars that are high up and and big and comfortable. You get you get used to it after driving so low to the ground. Then when you get a little bit higher up, it's like oh I can't, I can't go back from this. And I've never been a sports car guy at all. I just it, they don't do it for me. I I recognize how great they are, and they go fast and they're pretty and they the the really good ones make you know when you start that engine up they do really they really purr like a kitten. Uh, I've never been a Corvette guy, though. I always thought they looked, I don't know, I, I always think of 80s Corvettes, and I think the 80s and early 90s Corvettes are cheesy, and, you know, you think of a, <laughs> you, you do think of, like, you know, uh, when I see a Corvette, I know that I'm going to see, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I know I'm going to see uh, a bald guy with a baseball cap. <laughs> now it's, you know, you're pretty much going to see baby boomers, uh, just driving around, bombing around in their Corvette, which is great. That's fine. Uh, and 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 so I, I, I've just, it's never been a car that I've had any particular interest in. Uh, but we went up there yesterday and saw those, uh, you know, the 2021, I guess, Corvettes. Holy shit, they're gorgeous. They're wonderful. I I still wouldn't buy one because that's the other thing is I hate. That's why I, that's the other reason I like to get a pre-owned car. Maybe it has a few little ding, dings and dents, little scratches and things in it. So I, you know, the Toyota that I bought for myself a few years ago, yeah, the seats, yes, they've been lived in. <laughs> they, they've been sat upon. 
as opposed to the thing that we drove off the lot yesterday that had 11 miles on it, which I think 10 and a half of those came from the test ride, the test drive that we took yesterday. So I, I like to have something with a little wear and tear because that's the other thing is I can't stand getting a new car knowing that at some point, somewhere, someone's going to, you know, a grocery cart's going to run into it. Somebody's going to hit their door into it. A rock is going to fly off the highway and, you know, hit just any number of things, especially in this state where you've got salt trucks and you've got just gravel and th- you can't avoid it. You just can't. And so to have a car that costs seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000, that's be- gorgeous paint, these kinds of reds that, oh, it's just, just vivid colors, yellows and blues, and they're just so pretty. I couldn't, I couldn't drive that out of my garage. It would just it would just be a showpiece. I couldn't do it. Anyway, so I yeah, it wouldn't be fun for me. I would have I would be very if I if I just you know I was at a point. It's let's say it's ten years from now, and the kids are out of college, and or close to out of college. It's ten fifteen years from now, and I just don't even uh, you know what to do with myself. And I just say yeah, like okay, I'll spend my money on something. Okay, give me a give me a Corvette, and. I, I, I would, I'd take it off a lot and I would go, I think I would just go directly home because I would be terrified of even just the slide would be, even a raindrop hitting it would drive me crazy and not having it shiny and polished and sparkling like it is in the showroom would just drive me insane for that kind of money. But yeah, that's what we did. We drove the brand new car directly across the street we drove about 500 feet <laughs> into the parking lot of the com- competitor's dealership i looked at corvettes and then uh yeah i took a picture of cam standing next to one of the corvettes with keys and it just so happened that the salespeople were moving he, he started one of the cars up and was backing it out of one of the spots up in the showroom up in the second story showroom so I took a video and said, yep, there's the new family truckster. They're getting it ready to, to take off the lot. And I, I sent it to my parents so that they knew they knew what the, the new car was that we were getting. They know my tricks, though. They didn't believe me, not for a second. All right, I've been talking for a long time. And it's time to go take a nice, speaking of cars, it's time to take a nice ride with the kids. I have other things that I wanted to talk about. Hmm. Cliffs read Shakespeare. That's something uh, that's probably not going to happen today. But I'm uh, figuring out a way to get the cliffs back in here without, uh, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm in a creative slump, which is why this uh, particular episode has not been very good. It's just me talking about whatever, just anything that pops into my head. I don't, I'd like to get out of that creative slump. I'd like to have the cliffs back in some sort of meaningful way. So I'm thinking, you know, but but not you know the same thing has been done for the last two years. The prank calls it's great and everything. Those haven't gone away. They're just <laughs> they're just fewer and farther between. So I thought maybe if I if I had a different Cliff family member read uh, some passages from Shakespeare every week, that might be that might be something interesting. But I'm probably not going to try that out this week. That probably will come next week or sometime. Uh, yeah, it's just time. Time is very limited these days. Um, yeah, there's some stories here. Oh, yeah, you know, I will very quickly touch on this. It's funny, how how long do you live in a place before you're from that place? How long does that last? I was watching Price is Right, 
and uh, you know, girls came up on the stage to Drew Carey. Says, "Hey, where you're from?" She goes, "Oh, I'm originally from Florida, but uh, I think that's yeah. She's from Florida somewhere, but I've uh, I've lived in L.A. for the last I don't know eight or nine years." And Drew Carey goes, "Oh, nine years, eight years? Oh, you're from L.A." And she's like, "Oh, okay." She's like, "Yeah, you're from L.A." And to me, I still. I, I guess for me, I lived in New York for 30 years. So whenever we ask me, where are you from? I still say New York. I still have to give the whole backstory. Oh, from New York, but we live in New Hampshire. But we went to, we lived in a few other places. It's weird. It's a weird question. And like yesterday, the guy at the dealership was asking, are you, you know, where are you from? And I was about to be like, oh, New York, of course. <laughs> But of course, he's asking, "Do you live in New Hampshire or Massachusetts?" Because that's going to determine what my, if my sales tax is hundreds and hundreds of dollars or zero. Because I live in New Hampshire, so it's zero. But anytime that question is asked, I'm like, "New York? Where are you from? New York? No, I'm from New Hampshire." People aren't people aren't asking where are you originally from and where did you live and where do you live now. It's just where are you from means where do you where are you from right now. Where is your address? Okay, then that's where you're from. But it's like, where? How how long do you live in a place where you're? You just tell people that's I'm just from here. Like I know everybody who lives in Florida is not from Florida, so nobody says I'm from Florida. There's I I know like three people who are actually like from Florida, born and raised in Florida. The rest are from New York and New England and Ohio and Alaska and all these other places that are cold. But they're not from Florida, and I think even if you retire there and you spend the next, you, you know, thirty years, you're never from Florida. So that's a little bit different. But like, yeah, how long are you? How long are you in a place before you're from that place? Because I, I will never feel natural telling people I'm from New Hampshire, because I'm not from New Hampshire. I'm from New York, but it's like. Does my youngest child tell people, oh, I'm from Florida because she was born there? My oldest, who lived in New York for nine months when they were a baby? (laughs) Where are you from? New York. No, never. It's always interesting. Anyway, because, yeah, I was just, when I'm, you know, talking to the salesperson, he's like, so where are you, so where are you from? Like, well, I... I'm from New York, but I live in New Hampshire. That's the that's the response I always want to get. I'm like, oh, I'm from New York, obviously. I'm not a jackass, so clearly I'm not from New England. <laughs> I'm not a moron, so clearly I'm not from Florida. And I'm not a hillbilly hayseed, so I'm obviously not from North Carolina. But I've lived in all of those places. I'm from New York, which is why I'm so smart and cultured and civilized <laughs> <laughs> and likable it's because i'm from new york not new england <laughs> yeah i'm just curious curious what your thoughts are you can't you can't there's no way i can know what your thoughts are because you can't talk to me right now but you could you could always go to the twitter the birthday boy twitter which i, I don't even know what it is because because they deleted my first one that was just it was just it used to be at podcast birthday but now it's at birthday boy nine five seven seven something. But you can you can go there. It's pretty easy to find, I'm sure. It's at uh, yeah yeah that's great. It's at Johnny B two one five five nine one four eight. 
at Johnny B two one five five nine one four eight. You could probably just search Twitter for Birthday Boy Podcast. You could also go to Facebook Birthday Boy Podcast, and you could also email Birthday Boy Podcast at gmail dot com, which I know nobody's done that in like two years, but that's still there. Anyway, I- I'm curious where. How long are you in a place before you're from that place? Are you ever from the place other than the place that you're from? Because I just feel like, well, I'm, I'm born and raised in New York. Not just born and raised, but even, even after I was raised, I was still in New York. College in New York. First uh, eight years of employment. Well, let's be honest. First, really, 19 years of employment in New York. Because I was 11 when I delivered newspapers. Hmm. Well, anyway, who knows how that works. Something to think about, though, isn't it? Something to think about. All right, I'm going to end this so we can go for a nice car ride with the family. Have a nice little Sunday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your weekend. I don't know when I'm going to post this, so the weekend might be over by the time you even hear this. I hope you've had a nice weekend. I hope you had a nice week. Uh, that's all. I, I There's a million other things... And my mind is is in too many places at once these days. So uh, hopefully I can get things back on track with regard to the podcast and just whatever. Things in general. Oh, but it's been a busy, crazy year. It's been a busy weekend so far. And uh, there's, just, there's just no time in the day for anything. Positivity is stupid. By the way, posit- speaking of positivity, here's a good example for you. Yesterday, before I left to go negotiate a new car, I was just stomping around, huffing and puffing, because I said, "You know what's going to happen? I'm going to go to this goddamn." I said, "I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the patience to just trade in this lease or to just walk away from a bad deal. I'm going to go and just get it because I just, it's easy to just go to the same place. I'm just going to get another car, and it's going to be a crappy deal, and it's going to be the. Even though I haven't really, I haven't gotten." I haven't gotten any crappy deals. They're just crappy to me because having to pay anything for a car to me is a crappy deal. Because you you know, I've lived a few years knowing what it's like to not have to pay for a car, and I much prefer that. So so getting a crappy deal is basically anything that requires a payment for a car. That's a crappy deal. So I was stomping and clomping around the house before going to the dealership. And I was so, what was me? I'm going to go over there and they're going to be jerks. And I'm going to get some, yeah, I'm going to bend over and I'm going to take it, you know where, and I'm going to like it. And I'm going to come home with some box on wheels that's a piece of junk and it's going to stink. And I'm going to put all this money in there. Even though that's not ever how it's gone. That's what I say all the time. And Kimmy was saying, why don't you be more positive? Why don't you, you and I are so different. Because I would be excited saying, yeah, I'm going to look at some new cars. I'm going to see some things that I like. I'm going to get it. I'm going to hopefully, hopefully they'll have exactly what I want. And we get a good price and negotiate a good deal and get off the lot with exactly the kind of car that I want to have and drive home with. And then I said, (laughs) and I said, yeah, well, what's going to happen to me is I'm going to go over there and they're going to have me take down my pants and bend over the table, and then they're going to say, here's your new car, pal. And I'm going to say, thank you, sir. Pleasure doing business with you. Be back in three years for more. And so that was my attitude going in. My attitude was, 
It's going to be a new salesperson. It's going to be a different than what I remembered from three years ago. It's going to be a whole new process. And I'm going to get fucked seven different ways from Sunday. And so that negative attitude resulted in a nicer, newer car, upgrade everywhere, across the board, all upgrades. Better. Everything was better. Um, although my previous car was a black interior and exterior. This one is gorgeous. It's dark blue exterior and like a, I don't know, like a cream kind of leather thing on the interior. The last one was cloth. And I just like cloth because I can, I know that I can, uh, if I spill my <laughs> whatever, my McDonald's shake, not that I'm driving around drinking McDonald's shakes, but if I spill something, it's like, eh, it's cloth. Who cares? Whereas this is like, oh God, I don't want to, uh, it's just, uh, this is another, it's another hassle. But anyway, everything was better and the price was lower. Newer, nicer, better, cheaper. And I owe it all to my negative attitude. I went in there thinking the worst was going to happen and I was going to have 20 dicks in me by the time I left there. And I, I would say I didn't even have one dick in me the whole time. Uh, the only wieners that I had in me were the hot dogs that I ate <laughs> upstairs in the cafeteria. So thank you to negativity. And it just reinforces what I always say at the end of this podcast, which is that positivity is for idiots. It's for jerks. Uh, but kindness, kindness matters. So be kind to each other out there, gang. Because we're all in this together. We're all in this together. <laughs> As evidenced by how, how much togetherness has taken place over the last couple of years. We're just so all in this all together. All right, I'm going to go enjoy your day, enjoy your week, enjoy your weekend, enjoy whatever the hell it is you're doing. Stay negative. Don't be positive. Be positively negative. And we'll talk to you next time on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Thanks for listening. Later, Gators. <laughs>